Welcome to the UAlbany News Podcast. I'm your host, Sarah O'Carroll. I have with me Michael Lazinski, a professor of practice in the College of Emergency Preparedness, Homeland Security, and Cybersecurity, and Don Birchoff, CEO of True Weather Solutions, a UAlbany-affiliated company that provides micro-weather data and business analytics for unmanned aircraft systems. I have Lazinski and Birchoff here to discuss where the emerging industry of drones is headed and what ethical and technological challenges 2020 might bring. Don and Michael, thank you both for being here. Well, thank you for having us. Thanks. Pleasure. Now, going to the informatics side, were there any surprising takeaways from 2019 as someone who is studying this industry? And also, as we look ahead to 2020, what kinds of growth do you expect to see and where do you expect to see it? Well, I think one of the things that, um, you know, when it comes down to the sensors, when it comes down to the data, the modeling, we've seen not just in 2019, but uh, in years past, um, Google and Facebook um, have been working in terms of improving quality of life or services. We've seen some of these aircrafts, not particularly uh, rotor aircrafts, but more fixed wing solar hovering aircrafts, or in the case of Google, Project Loon, where they've put a balloon in the sky with the idea of beaming internet. Uh, Mm. I believe this was implemented in Puerto Rico uh, after the hurricane. And I think these sorts of things uh, um, are being researched and and thought about in terms of 5G, in terms of serving uh, remote uh, areas throughout the world, in terms of disaster recovery. You know, some of these things are being developed in real time. And I think we're going to see in 2020 Um, applications for this technology we didn't anticipate. In Africa, um, there's a group called Zipline that's delivering um, blood and medical supplies Mm -hmm. and medicine uh, using fixed-wing craft on a daily basis, and they're saving people's lives, they're improving people's lives and, 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 and quality of life. And, um, you know, agriculture, first responders, I mean, the the applications for drones and drone technology is really uh, incredibly wide. And and we're going to continue in 2020 to see Mm -hmm. brand new, you know, uh, ones that we didn't consider. And Don, what are some emerging technologies that you see will be um, ones that you'll be needing to reckon with or already grappling for the year ahead? One of the concerns is national security. As you know, DJI is a Chinese company, and they have a lot of the commoditized drones on the market. But that, the military and the government are not allowed anymore to purchase DJI. So that's mm. that has implemented a, a market here in the U.S. for American-made drones, which we're starting to see um, now emerge because now there's a reason for it. It is important to have drones that meet the mission. But I am a little concerned that if we have too many different models of drones, it gets it gets a little uh, difficult to manage them in the airspace for weather. Because mm-hmm. if everyone has a different type of weather impact, um, how do you keep people out of trouble? Today, you know, the way we manage airspace is, you know, big aircraft, manned aircraft, we, you know, we basically break it into three types, small, medium, large, and then we could put out weather alerts and hazards for those. But if you have 50 or 100 different types of aircraft that can fly, you don't want to ground everybody if they can fly. So what we're doing is we're working on building software that can customize by aircraft their own personal weather hazard warnings and geofencing. So this is one of the challenges. Um, So I think the hardware industry is still kind of unfolding about how this is going to emerge. On the software side, you have like the, the unmanned aerial system 
drone, but they call them unmanned aerial system traffic management service suppliers. Uh, and they are uh, really starting to, these are the, uh, industry, this are the folks that are going to control or at least uh, manage the airspace below 400 feet as a federated organization off of the FAA. The FAA is not going to be actively involved in flight planning and things like that below 400 feet. These companies, these states, these nonprofits are going to set these up. And they all have to talk to each other at some point. There's been a lot of, of, of companies that have blossomed, and we're starting to see a consolidation of the software side. Mm, because that's so already happening. Yeah, it's happening already. And what's going to wind up probably happening is you're going to see bigger companies like Talus and Airbus and Amazon. They're going to probably buy up a lot of these organizations. All of them bring certain talents, believe it or not, because we're learning, right? This has been like a, a lab in real time. And each of them have a certain capability that companies want. And so you're going to see more integration. So I think on that side, that's what that's what I'm looking for. And when you were talking about having a lot of options, if there are many different kinds of brands all in the air, it would be harder to identify these and be able to manage the safety of, of drones, which makes remote ID so important to be able to identify where is this drone, who owns it, and why are they flying? That's correct. So, you know, public safety is going to be the number one priority of the FAA. As, as such, we, we need to be able to, you know, view drones as a potential threat. And, and the public should feel safe to know that the FAA's on that, and they're they're uh, setting up this remote ID concept, where drones will have to be able to identify themselves, and know, and will know who they are. They have some kind of digital footprint or something, and that's still being worked out right now. Hmm. And that that's the big. And, and there's actually an FAA uh, policy that's that's coming out this month, if it hasn't come out already, on this. And so everybody's going to have to you know follow that. But it's really important for Homeland Security. Because, um, you know, just like the Internet has been weaponized, mm-hmm. uh, drones will become weaponized. And every great technology that brings a lot of societal benefit, unfortunately, there's, there's people out there that um, take advantage of that and use it, you know, in, for their purposes. So, so I, th- I think that's what we're going to see this year, a lot of remote ID discussion and, and trying, you know, to ensure the protection of the public. I am curious to know a little bit more into how the college is working to prepare the next generation of students. And um, I know you all had just launched a drone lab, which sounds like um, is, is going to have some exciting testing types of practices going on. So what can you share about uh, what you're looking for? So we're really excited about the drone lab. Um, we've got many things that we do in that space. One of them is support our courses and our classes. So. Um, this last semester I taught a class called Makerspaces and Drones and as a part of the work we did in that space students first created their they basically assembled a kit with their own drone from scratch so mm. they had all the different components they learned how to solder if they didn't know how to solder and they took all of the components and assembled them and then they flew their drone in the drone lab uh, we also worked with a drone simulator program so that we could fly in a virtual space where we could simulate wind we could simulate different courses we could uh, simulate different drones and different hardware uh, profiles and we also flew drones um, we looked at some of the consumer and off-the-shelf technology and we looked at it um, you know, from the perspective of operators. What does it mean to have line of sight? What does it mean to use FPV or first person view? Uh, what does it mean to be looking at a screen? And we're really happy to work with industry partners and um, you know, with folks in the community to bring awareness to this technology 
and to offer um, the space for you know the hands-on experience for the application for the research. It's it's really been a wonderful lab, and there's very few spaces um, like this, mm-hmm. you know, around. And so to offer our students and our partners this opportunity um, is really a testament to our commitment to emerging technologies and technology, and you know the vision of our leadership. We're we're really happy about the space. Mm. And Don, what are some characteristics that you'd want to be looking out for or technological expertise in those who could be working in the drone industry? This industry is going to rapidly evolve in order for it to be a scalable industry that is going to be affordable and keep the cost under control. We're going to see more automation in drone flying and drone control. So I don't know what that time steps are going to be from going from where we are now, where somebody's out in the field launching a drone, maybe by hand, to a drone now that's in a box that has all the ability to fly automated, uh, and there's maybe somebody still standing there watching it, to somebody that is actually in a control center, and this drone in a box is going to be launched and tracked back in a control center, to having one person manage that to having one person now managing 20 drones in a box at the same time launching. Um, This is where I see the evolution of the industry. So our students and our educators, I think it's always important to have the basics down. You gotta understand how things fly, why they fly, you know, and so you always should go through those. It's just like in weather, you know, we have great models, but we still want somebody to be able to forecast without a model. Uh, mm-hmm. But we should be working towards uh, technology and, so- and software and training that's going to teach them how to move along that evolutionary path that, that we're going to go to uh, over time here. I don't know if it's going to be, you know, three years, five years, or ten years, but that's the path. And so we're going to have a lot of automation. Um, now, on the weather side, there's three types of data collection I want from drones. Mm-hmm. Uh, the first one is I want every drone to be a sensor. So uh, if that's possible, at least get some wind data off of every drone, which means their primary mission isn't to collect weather, but their mission, secondary mission is to pass what they have to us, and then through our te- technology, we assimilate that and turn around a better product. The second is a drone that can be launched on a regular basis to sample the atmosphere. Now, here in New York, we have the Mesonet, which is 17 mm-hmm. uh, upper-level profiling sites, which I again, take my hat off to the governor and to the work to get that here. We have the only profiler network in the country. And we're using that at True Weather. That's why I'm here. That's why I came to New York, because that's helping us validate models for winds aloft. And that's a key factor in drone flying. And so we're going to be, we're actually working with the Atmospheric Science Research Center here and, um, and others to, to look at how we can improve collection of data from drones, and then improve forecasting. So that's part of what we use in the University of Albany's technology and science for. Um, so we, the second area, so the second, that one is collecting data, and potentially maybe every mesonet site can have a drone that goes up and down uh, automatically and collect data. Or we might have these in cities in areas where there's high traffic and we just need to have better data. The third one is what I call the Weather Scout drone. And this is a drone that my vision is, is that we have our Air Weather Operations Center in New York for all the world. We're, for, we're supporting all drone operations. And when we don't know what's going on at a, like at 300 feet or 400 feet, where's that inversion? Where's that turbulence? Is it dangerous or not? Rather than keeping everybody grounded and not flying, let's launch a Weather Scout drone and let's test the environment and see what's going on so mm-hmm. that we can open up the routes faster. And so 
what we're going to be looking for are people who uh, can help us uh, in this area, whether it's helping our partner, uh, MediaMax Media Drone, or it's us trying to figure out how we get this data off the drones and make it into uh, more useful information. Mm. I think one of the things that's um, on the hardware end of things that we're excited about is applying some of the 3D printing research and technology where if we're thinking about a drone in a box or um, you know drones in different you know situations uh, the parts might not exist or the hardware the 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 systems might not exist we're working right now on a research level with some stakeholders to develop different mounts for different sensors and different things on their drones using 3d printing in our makerspace so some of these technologies, it's sort of, uh, no pun intended, the, the perfect storm here, if you will, <laughs> where uh, all of these things are available and you can iterate quickly and you can do this nimbly and quickly uh, where you can develop custom solutions, custom parts um, to then apply in real and meaningful ways. That's where things get really exciting. I don't think that we're really considering the idea of... Um, you know, we're, we're doing this to make a difference, I think, is what it comes down to. And our students are actually getting hands-on experience with that as well. So um, we're preparing them and working with our partners to understand the skill sets. You know, the jobs that our students may have when they graduate may not exist at the moment. Mm -hmm. So we have to think about what are the big picture skills and skill sets, the idea of continual improvement, the idea of lifelong learning, the idea, idea of embracing technology. Um, even if you look at some of the technical work, I'm sure we've, we've both, you know, these, these things change, the standards change, the programming languages change, the, the hardware, uh, the capabilities. I think the one constant is change. <laughs> so, you know, we're we're thinking about, and we've, we've got students, one of the students as a graduate from our informatics program, he's working full-time now in the drones industry. He's working, um, you know, on the sales and the repair, and, and he's working with the hardware, but he's also doing bridge inspections. He's working with agriculture. He's working with first responders, building inspections. Really amazing work, and he's only a few years out of our informatics program. We're incredibly proud of the work that he's doing. And all of our students who enter the field, um, you know, with, with the skill sets where they can, you know, add value, um, you know, to, to, as I said, to situations that we can't even anticipate where they're going to be going in the future. Lots of things, lots of exciting things happening in the college, and it's been great to hear about what True Other is thinking about and working on. So thanks for being here. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the UAlbany News podcast. I'm your host, Sarah O'Carroll, and that was Michael Lazinski and Don Birchoff. You can let us know what you thought of the episode or who we should speak to next by emailing us or at mediarelations at albany.edu, or you can find us on Twitter at UAlbany News. Music